It's time to kickstart your confidence. In this podcast, you will hear open and honest interviews with business owners and like-minded people who have struggled and then how they've overcome their own issues. Listen to their real-life struggles and personal accounts of how they've changed their lives and continue to do so on a daily basis. Get rid of stress, own your own space and thoughts. It's time to take control, feel your personal health and well-being improve as you travel with us on this journey. And now your host, former British champion, owner and chief instructor of Hastings Kickboxing Academy and third Dan Black Belt, Carl Denny. So today I am here with comedian Mark Simmons. How are you, Mark? I'm good, thanks. Uh, yeah, great. Ready to go. Raring. Thanks for coming on the Kickstarter Confidence podcast. For anyone that's listening, can you just explain kind of who you are and what your comedy is about? Uh, yeah, I mean, my comedy is very simple to explain. It's just I'm a one-liner comedian, so I write little short jokes and then go over the country and tell those jokes to people. Amazing. Best job in the world. I'll be looking forward to hearing some of them through this podcast then. If you want some, mate. <laughs> Throw them at me. So just before we started chatting, we I mean, we were just literally chinwagging and we thought, mm. actually, let's just hit record. So we have just hit record. We have got a few things that we want to go through. It is a confidence podcast, so we will be talking about kind of how you've dealt with your confidence and how you've learned how to be a comedian and how you deal with certain things going on stage. Because mm. for that, I mean, that is quite a big deal. Going on stage with the spotlights on you, you know, a microphone in front of you, everything you say and do is listened to. So there must be quite a bit of um, pressure for you as a comedian. Anyone who knew me when I was younger doesn't understand how I can do it. Yeah. Because it, it wasn't me at all. So like, at school, what, was you quite a quiet child? Um, quiet child? I think it's, I, 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 was, I was quiet in, with lots of people. Like in a class, I didn't like saying anything. I didn't like it when the teacher asked me a specific question. Like that would be the worst possible thing that could happen to me when I was a kid. Like, and because you can't tell this because it's a podcast. I've got red hair. I'm, <laughs> I used to be very prone to blushing. Yeah. Oh, that. you've got ginger skin like me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, someone says one thing and you go bright yeah. red oh mate yeah. yeah and that i'd say that was specifically the my biggest issue at school i wouldn't ever say i was bullied but i suppose essentially you, you are it didn't feel like it wasn't like physical so so that so that was something that was always an issue and as soon as so with that i don't know if you experienced the same thing but yeah. when everybody knows that's what happens to you as soon as you're it pointed out to you, all you're thinking about is, oh, God, that's going to happen. Yeah. And then all the kids know it. And they, so that was my biggest issue when I was a kid. And that really gave me issues talking in front of people. So even, so in a class, if someone pointed something out to me and I had to answer a question, or if, I mean, the worst thing would be standing up in front of everybody, which is madness. That this is what I do for a job. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It, it doesn't really make sense. Like someone said to me the other day, I had an interview and they were like, it was almost like you're saying, oh, I wanted to swear then. Um, you can swear if you want to. <laughs> F, like F you to, the, to, to, to those issues. It's yeah. like, just go head on. But that wasn't my mindset. Like some people might have thought, oh, that's my fear. I'm going to do that. Yeah. It wasn't that. It was, an, it was a happy accident because I never thought that's something I could do. Yeah. At all. I, I'd never considered being a comedian. I loved watching stand-up, like I had like VHSs and <laughs> and stuff. But but the idea of it just it just wasn't it didn't even enter my head that I could do it. Yeah. Brilliant. And then what I don't know what the question was. <laughs> <laughs> when did so where was the transition between or, or going into comedy? So what, what made you start and um at what age was you when you gone, okay, cool, I can So so I left uni, yep. went home, lived with parents, and then I, I, I was, what was I going to do? I was going to have a year out of uni, and then the idea was I was going to go back and do physiotherapy. That was in my head. It was very loose. Yeah. But, but obviously, in reality, I started earning money, and that, as everyone finds, that's better than uni. 
So yeah. I didn't Ooh, go back. Money, education. I know, I know. <laughs> and then, um, so I started working in the fitness first because my sport, my, I did a sports science degree. So I started okay. working in the fitness first while I was trying to find a proper job because fitness yeah. first, there's no, there was never any good money in it. So, yeah, yeah. and there's a mate, a mate of a mate was training in there. I didn't really know him, but I sort of knew him and he, he needed, wanted some help in the gym. So I was helping him out and he'd been doing the London open mic circuit for about a year yeah and just convinced me to have a go just convinced okay. me to what, literally ad hoc have a go yeah it's madness like he just said you just go down to a club you you i mean most acts are booked in but there's this club that do sort of it's, it's about 15 acts on so doing five minutes yeah they always have dropouts so if you turn up 20 minutes earlier and you stand there and he's got gaps he'll put you on okay and and he gave me like a week not even that, maybe five days to write five minutes. Now, I now know that is madness to be able to write that much material yeah. in that much time. When you add, when I know nothing about it, I know <laughs> nothing about jokes, I know nothing about writing. Yeah. All I've got is everyone, I think, has these funny thoughts that they've had in life over the years. So I just thought, oh, I've got those thoughts I had. I could just sort of tell those. Yeah. I went and I didn't get on because they didn't have any gaps and I'm so thankful that they didn't because I was not, <laughs> I would have had such a bad time. I would never have done it again. Yeah. So that was quite like a godsend really, but yeah. I, w- I wouldn't be doing this job now. Yeah. Things happen um, for a reason. Yeah. And then I went back like two weeks later and I prepared a bit more. I'm still not saying it was good, but when I went up, I was so nervous, but when I went up, I got some laughs and then it was then that I realized to stand up in front of people, that's what I need. I need feedback yeah. and, and them saying, this is good. When I was at university and I was doing presentations, one, I didn't really know what I was talking about. So that doesn't help. And two, like confidence wise. And two, I've, when there's no reaction, they're just looking at you. You don't know. You can't read what's happening. You don't know. Are they interested are they bored? Are they thinking... They fall asleep beyond their book. <laughs> yeah. Are they thinking, look at this guy with his rosy cheeks. Like, what, what are they thinking? And it's uncomfortable. And, I, and still to this day, I, can't, I still hate giving a speech to silence. I can't yeah. do it. Yeah. But even back at uni, I remember I would try to make people laugh in presentations to yeah. make me feel more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. So then, yeah, so, so that gig went all right. And I just got the buzz for it. It was, this, it was crazy. It was like this, this new world that had opened up to me that I didn't know existed. I'd, I'd never yeah. been into a comedy club before I did my first gig, which is oh, really? wow. madness. I didn't know about them. I saw it on TV. I, I, it was all new. And it was this crazy underground world. And even now, I, like, I miss that feeling of yeah. going to those gigs and being so nervous. And it, yeah, so I suppose, actually, at the moment, with... with- covid and restrictions there's not many gigs there's not many comedy nights going on i mean i'm only guessing but no i've done a couple of real life ones in the last sort of week yeah. since the second lockdown yeah but and now my, my, all the rest of the ones in december have pretty much been cancelled because london's gone down and everywhere's in tier three now yeah um but but most of the gigs have been happening on, on zoom okay and when that first happened, that back in the first lockdown, everyone was doing them on Zoom, and I refused to do them because I just thought that can't work. It's awful. Yeah. And I tell you, mate, I they're my favourite gigs now. Really, I, I love them. I like, can sit at home, have a cup of tea. Honestly, you think well, that's one thing. You finish your gig and you're at home. You don't yeah. got to do three hour drive. Well, it's like now for like it, for for us to do mm. a normal podcast. Obviously, you would come down to me, or I'd come up to you as well. Oh, but now we can tell. Let's jump on Zoom and. Oh, mate! Because oh, I do a podcast. Uh, might as well plug it. It's called Jokes with Mark Simmons. Yeah. And Excellent. I, uh, I talk to comedians about jokes they can't get to work. So every comedian's got jokes and ideas that they loved, but for whatever reason, when they do them on stage, they can't get them to work. Yeah. And I've had loads of great guests. I've had Sarah Millican, Milton Jones, Ed Byrne, Rob Beckett. Like it's been really fun. Yeah. But it's always hard to get people in the room. And comedians are so flaky yeah. that, that it's just, it's just, it's a nightmare. But so since doing Zoom, I don't think I'll ever go back to doing in person. Really? And they're, so they're working well on Zoom? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it. You see the person, the sound, yeah. they, like the equipment's so good these days. The sound's great. Yeah. 
Zoom's a godsend. So how how do we watch or get involved with one of your podcast uh, with one of your Zoom oh, comedy? Any, anywhere you get your podcasts, just yeah. type in jokes with Mark Simmons and yeah. and you can listen to them. There's there's like two years worth. There's loads. Oh, they're amazing! Really, they're really fun. I stick them out every week. And to be yeah. honest, that's kept me sane during lockdown because yeah, given me that social interaction that you would have in a green room in a comedy club. Yeah. Where you just sit around and you chat about jokes and bits and what's happening in life. Yeah. No, it's great. It's great. It's really helped. Actually, that as you said that, it's just made me think, how much training do you have to do to be a comedian? That, I don't know if that's the right question, but do you have to like train or prepare? Or do you run through jokes? Do you sit down with your, your mum and dad or brother and sister and go, right, I've got this kind of script or story or line of jokes? Does right. it work? So, so you mean specifically before a gig? Because there's yeah. all sorts of kind of training, essentially. So when you start, the open mic circuit is essentially a training circuit where you go to gigs and you're just learning. Yeah. Everything's learning. You're learning performance. You're learning how to write jokes. You're learning to to analyse something that you've done and edit it and deal with the crowds. Yeah. So that's all like a learning arena. Um some people do comedy courses, which I think does help bump you up a level because it, it tells you things that you don't already know. But I, I like the fact that I've learned the hard way, essentially. Yeah. Um, but before, so then, so I'm at a level now where I write a new show every year for the Edinburgh Festival and then hopefully okay. a tour once COVID sorts itself out. Yeah. Um, and then, so that's writing an hour of new jokes every year. So you write the jokes um, you go to new material nights, you so five, ten minute spots, you try them, you get rid of the ones that don't work. I, I then do them in the podcast. <laughs> um, and then because I because that's why I started the podcast, I just ended up with all these jokes that they're all technically make sense as jokes. Yeah, I got rid of them. I think it's such a shame. I spent that time writing them, so I might as well give them a bit of airtime. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, and then so then you just whittle it down and get all the good ones, and then you go and do preview shows, and then you go and do your actual shows. Um, but before, I mean, I'm answering your question a million different ways. All right, that's good. Um, but before you do like a live show, I mean, back in the old days, I'd be nervous and I'd be sort of walking, pacing up and down. But now I, I don't. I'm not nervous at all when I when I yeah. do it. So I just got used to it. I just write down. Well, I got my set. That's like my 20 minute set. Yeah. So that's kind of what I do when I'm doing proper paid gigs. Yeah. And then I'll slip a few new jokes in. So, so my preparation for those is just going, what new jokes am I going to slip in during the set and where am I going to put them? Yeah. And that's it really. Cool. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's weird. I don't, yeah, I don't get nervous at all when I, when okay. I go on. How old do you know? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, 35. 35. And when did you start? Ooh, 23. Yeah. Okay. 22, 23. So quite a while now. Yeah, yeah. I'm a vet. That's what's weird. It's just technically I'm a veteran now. Yeah, but I don't feel yeah. like it. Still. So when you um when you do like like you've said when you go on stage, for example, I teach something like 30, 40 classes a week, and I'll have a structure. So I'll say, so for example, this week we're gonna we're gonna focus on blocking, mm. and then depend on which class if it's the cadets or the teens or the adults, and then if it's the beginners or the advanced to what, what level we'll be blocking. But that's kind of the the, the lesson plan. Hmm. And then the rest of it's kind of made up as we go because there's so many times I've done a really good lesson plan and you get halfway through the lesson and go, this isn't working. Either the vibe's wrong or the wrong people are in or you've got too many new beginners. So you have to completely change the, the hmm. structure of the class while you're mid-class. So does that happen yeah. when you're doing a show do you start it and go well i've planned this kind of yeah yeah grill and it just isn't working yeah i mean yeah 100 percent. because i do one-liners it's quite easy to come in and out of bits whereas if i was like a storyteller that's more difficult yeah because once you're started you're stuck in this thing until you get yeah. to the end well i don't know more stories <laughs> <laughs> so then so and then if something happens in the room i deal with it hecklers and sometimes if a gig's not really happening, I'm at a point now where I mean, I've written so many jokes over the years that I've got something on most things. So yeah. I, can, I can talk to the audience and then ad-lib jokes with whatever we're talking about. And sometimes that can ignite a gig 
it basically tells the if they're a bit sort of unsure, yeah, that tells them, oh, this guy is funny because he can do this on the spot. Yeah, that helps. But you te- you saying about the martial arts because I've done taekwondo since I was five. Yeah, so I've read that. Yeah, so that so I've taught since I was fifteen because yeah. my um, my dad teaches. So that's how I got into it. Okay, cool. Um, and and that's another thing that. That that's the only other place I used to be comfortable talking in front of people. Yeah, was in a lesson, and I don't know whether that's just because I was brought up with it. So that environment, I was always. Well, I guess. Well, to be honest, so I was always the the higher level of people in my peer group because my dad always taught. So I was, I was tended to be better than most people. Yeah, because you've been in it constantly. Yeah, and I, so and I was always a higher grade once I was a bit older. So I always had that respect thing. So I think that changes the the dynamic of talking in front of people. If you've got that attention and that respect, you're not worried about them questioning you because I know I'm good. I know what I'm doing. So I think that really helps confidence wise with things. That's a little tip. If you want to be confident talking in front of people, make sure you know what you're talking about. Make sure you can sidekick someone in the face. (laughs) Well, that's another thing. Yeah. If If there's the threat that you can drop them, yeah, they're going to be so, over. Obviously, people talk about bullying, and we've touched on it very quickly. Um, something I always say: I've got a young girl that I teach uh, currently, and she's um, she's thirteen years old, and she's she's now at senior school, and she's now starting to get quite a bit of bullying because she's got nice big curly hair, so everyone takes make out of her curly hair. She's really tall and slim, so everyone's like, "Oh, you're too skinny, and you're too tall. You look like an avatar." And I've only had five one-to-ones with her because her mum brought her to me because she's really starting to struggle really starting to go inside herself and one of the main things there's many things that we've we've been dealing with but one of the main things that I've been helping her with is her confidence in striking now I'm not saying that she should go to school and front kick someone in the face (laughs) but what she's starting to understand is when I'm working with her as she's getting stronger and she's believing in her stance and her guard and she's getting hit as she learns to take this impact and this beating Mm -hmm. in kickboxing, she's going, well, I can take Carl punching me in the face and pushing me around the room. And Mm -hmm. the worst that's going to happen to her really is a load of name calling, maybe a bit of argy bargy, a bit of pushy, but that's about it. And I sort of said to her, look in your head, if you know that you can be kicked hard or punched hard and take that and just go, is that what you got? Like I get hit hard on that every like 10 times an hour at the gym. If you can have that in your head mentally, then someone going like that means absolutely nothing. But then what that does is build the confidence. And then I did say to her when, when she learned this the other week, I said like, that doesn't mean you can go to school and front kick someone square in the face because you know, you can, but <laughs> knowing you can do that gives you about 95% of your power to go. Do you know, it doesn't matter what you say to me. It doesn't matter if you push me or kick me in the shin or poke me in the face, like, because mm. that's nothing. I can deal with that. I get yeah. punched in the face every day for fun. So yeah. you are nothing to me. And having that mindset mm. pretty I mean, much that, means you can take world on. That's so, such a powerful thing to know that you can take a, a bit of a beating mm. and it not bother you. Because even like me, when I, so I was at the Edinburgh Festival and I got mugged and I was, and this was a big turning point in my life as well. Yeah. It was in my late 20s and I was partying hard. I was so pissed. Yeah. Honestly, so drunk. And I was walking across this place called the Meadows. So instantly, that's stupid, which I know. But when you're drunk, you're an idiot. <laughs> and I got mugged by these guys and they had like vodka bottle, like empty vodka bottles, weapons. Yeah. So... I was. I could make. I. I knew. I. I needed just to give them what they wanted because that was. I couldn't do anything, and it was so annoying because I. I saw them like I could. I just tell they were down there, but I was so pissed. I just. I knew. I just thought, oh god, this is. I couldn't turn around. Like it's just too late. Yeah. But anyway, one of them smacked me, and I just looked at him, and and that that psychologically was really powerful for me dealing with getting mugged yeah because like because so they'd mugged loads of people okay and i did a, a london um they felt they caught them and they did i did a london um what do you call it when they stand they send the pictures you've got identity oh, thing yeah and there's another guy there that got mugged and he he 
he was like a shell of a man. Yeah. And he'd taken quite a beat in. And psychologically, that had really affected him. But because I've been, I have been spin kicked in the head by the French national champion. Amazing. <laughs> that is nothing. Just this guy punching me in the face. Yeah. It wasn't even a good punch. The only reason they just had, luckily it wasn't with a vodka bottle. I mean, that's, I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah. But it is real. There's something about just about having that experience. And so then you're not like, you don't have any, so I had no trauma after it at all. Yeah, having that resilience, I think. Yeah. Um, to, to be able to deal with physical com- conflict. Mm. You know, and then, because a lot, a lot of people talk, you, you touched on earlier about being heckled. Uh, mm. And, and mm. I guess someone heckling yeah, sorry. you. Sorry, sorry, one sec. Yeah. I just remembered I went on such a tangent and there was something I was going to say. Um, you you said about your lesson plans. So I relate to that a lot. And yeah. I, I think it's because I grew up with it and I've, I've got good knowledge of how to put things together. And I'm, I think I'm a fairly natural teacher of like martial arts. Yeah. I never had a, a lesson plan. Like I just always went with what I felt in the moment. Yeah. And if they, if you notice that they're struggling with something, then you can then focus in on that more yeah. as a group. Yeah. Rather than if you're too rigid, I think, I don't think it's as beneficial to the students. No, no, certainly. Cause every day, cause you could, you can have your elite fight squad in and they could just be having a bad day. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So not on most days that they could deal with what you're going to give them. Certainly mm-hmm. with an elite team. Cause they get, run through the mud at times um and then you just go that's what i like to hear you know that yeah and we 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 have about 19 different classes so we you know we have everything from three-year-olds to, to adults we have beginners advanced and then we have the elite squad as well so i said to them last night there looks like there might be a couple of shows coming up in march that are going to be uh, behind closed doors not illegal but no crowd, a bit like um, all the boxing at the moment. You know, you've got 50 people in the crowd, but it's all been streamed. I said, so the kickboxing world is going to try that next year. Um, mm-hmm. I'm happy to get involved. Who's in? And they're all like, I'm in. Yeah. I haven't hit someone for a year. <laughs> I'm in. But they know what's coming January next year if if they're going to sign up to go for this show because yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. we put them through the mill a little bit. There's nothing worse than stepping on the mat when you're not prepared if you're like there's nothing worse than getting your legs going after a minute and you know you've got to fight for and you can't do anything like that always motivated me to train hard because i experienced that and also it's like the first time you get winded when you get kicked in the stomach i like I'd, I'd love to know how many crunches I've done in my life, but that was all because I don't want that feeling again. And touch wood, that's never, I've never been, I've been able to take the shot and it's, I've never had that winded feeling since. Yeah. There's nothing worse than that. That's just, just awful. Yeah. It's not a pleasant feeling. I'd rather be knocked out than winded. Yeah. It hurts. <laughs> Definitely. No, no, one likes. I'm not, to be honest, I'm known for my left body shot anyway, but my team always say like, hey, two, huh? Don't tell everyone you're giving it away. So I don't fight anymore. It's all right. But my, my fight team know it anyway. And they can see that like, when I go hunting, they're like, oh, he's, he's looking for it. Because <laughs> I've got like T-Rex arms. They're only like this long. Right. So I can't fight at range anyway. So if I'm fighting a kicker, I'll be sitting on your hip. I won't yeah, be running around the ring. I'll be trying to bite your ear off. Cause... That's the reason I learned how to punch. Because I, I've got long legs. I'm 6'4". Okay, wow. So... so that's so the best fighters when I was growing up always were around me like a fly. Yeah. I was trying to swat them and my footwork's good and I am good at fighting at distance, but once, especially if there's loads of people fighting in a room and you haven't got the space. Yeah. It's, it's just like this constantly trying to get, get rid of them. Yeah. So that's so my dad. Then, I mean, the amount of hours spent on punch, cause I couldn't punch this shit. I mean, really? I've got long lanky arms. I'm not a natural puncher, yeah. but we just, he just spent hours with me on it. Right. And, so, and yeah, so and now, and then you get the thing when when they do come in. If you if you nail them, they then think twice before yeah. before coming in. And then once they're in that mindset of I don't know whether to or not, they're in perfect sort of range. Yeah, and they say for I mean I'm not known as a kicker, but I know I can teach how to do that. And as soon as they're sitting on that fence like a sniper, you just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much, <laughs> just <laughs> ran ass kick. 
axe kick, spin hook kick. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I can't do that, but I know how to teach it. And ironically, I've got a lot of kickers in my club. Um, my, okay. my legs are about four inches long. <laughs> I find the girls are, re- are really good kickers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I think because the girls are better at dancing, so their rhythm is better, I mm. find when they start doing martial arts, they're kicking... I always say that they look like a like a flamingo, like if they're good with their legs. Like you know how they graciously walk? Yeah, like they yeah. can go front kick, roundhouse kick, mm. axe kick, and they can just put their legs where they want. It's amazing. Mm. Whereas boys are a little bit more sort of chip chisel and hammer. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's good to watch. Uh, we got some cracking girls as well. So oh, good. Um no, that's that's good to A obviously hear what you say about the taekwondo and the and the teaching and mm. being quite ad hoc as well. So with being ad hoc uh, and having to come up with things on your feet, how do you deal with heckling? So heckling is something that when all new comedians are petrified of, it's just, I don't, I just, I don't know, it's just got this name of like carnage and, oh God, if I get heckled, what am I going to do? What am I going to say? I don't know what to do. But yeah. real, reality, and it is scary, but the reality of it in the moment, if you're a funny person, yeah, the adrenaline is buzzing because you're on stage. You will think of something funny. Yeah, you just will. You'll work out how to deal with it. But the, what tends to happen is people tend to panic. Yeah, and then it gets all oh, or if it's just not funny, that's when yeah. you find out. Yeah, 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 I mean there are kind of standard heckle put downs that that are considered open for anyone to use. But yeah. but I like I, I I don't like using those. I'd rather either ad lib or use something I've written to, you know, cause, cause I have things like people shout ginger or something a lot. That's my, that tends to be a go-to. It's so basic. Yeah. So I've got a few heckle put downs that I do when that happens. Cause it's happened so many times. I've just been driving in the car afterwards oh, ginger. Yeah, all, all the time. Ed Sheeran. Yeah. Like, like is Prince Harry. Is anyone yeah. ginger? I don't look like any of these people, <laughs> but if they're ginger, they shout. Well, that's, it. that's racist. Sure. There you go. That's how I deal with it. Ginger lives matter. Come on, people. (laughs) Um, So as you were saying that, I literally did think as well, when you teach someone how to fight, is you can plan for a jab, cross, slip, slip, parry, block, but until you get in there and punched in the face, you've either got to deal with it or not. And I guess that's exactly the same. Like you just said, you just deal with whatever gets heckled. You just have to be able to go, I'll deal with it. Yeah. And like with hecklers, also, if, so with hecklers, one of the main rules of it, whether you're successful with it or not is if the gig's going well and the audience like you and you get heckled, that's very easy to deal with because one, they already think you're funny. Yeah. Two, they don't like the fact that this guy is in, or girl, actually they're the work, when women do it, they're, they're really hard to deal with because you can't, you can't, you have to be so careful how you deal with a woman heckler. Yeah. Because you can't go aggressive. I don't go aggressive anyway, but but if you but with a bloke, you could put a bloke down for the way he looks or anything like that. Yeah. But with a girl, you can't because even if she's being an arsehole, yeah, the audience will turn like, will turn on you. So there's all these things that go round in your head as you're dealing with it. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what you said. What did you say? Just with the he- the heckling and being able to think on your feet, and you can't plan for it. You just need to be like on yeah. the ground. I think there was a point I was going to make, but I, I, I tend to just talk and then I forget where I was going. It's <laughs> all right. Um, Jimmy Carr, I don't know if you like mm. him or hate him, but like his his comebacks to some people are brutal. Yeah, yeah. He's he's a big influence of mine with, with my style because I remember when he first did the Royal Variety Show, I must have been 15 or 14 or something. Yeah. And when I watched it, it was the first time I'd seen one-liners done where you kind of have to think about it to get the joke. Yeah. And I loved it. And that I think that's why I've gone that route in style. Yeah. And his heckle put-downs are great. But he encourages it, so he's so good at it because if he he gets every tour show, he encourages it. So he's dealt with, yeah. like I said about the ginger thing, He he's had everything shouted at him. So he's just so quick now because he's dealt with them all before oh, plenty of time yeah well i saw him live in hastings and uh yeah like he got heckled and hastings can be quite a brutal town as well and um he was just he was just phenomenal absolutely phenomenal so yeah, yeah. Good to see. um are you planning on you talked about doing zoom shows are you planning to do another tour or come down or is it is it literally just all on zoom at the moment so uh, yeah there's no plans i'm hoping once 
once it starts going back to normal, yeah, the shows like because the shows are very COVID safe anyway. Yeah. So once people have like vaccinated and they're let we're less worried about the oldies. Yeah. Then I think it will just go back to normal. So then I'll be doing regular club gigs and then hopefully tour my show. But the trouble is, every comic's now planning to tour next year. Yeah, yeah. Well, if it, if, it, if it goes well, and if you wanted to, we're planning to do um, like comedy nights and events. Oh, uh, cool. That'd be great. Gym. So if you'd, up, if you'd be up for it, we'll get you to come down to the new gym yeah, and do a bit of a. I don't think there's a lot going on in Hastings, really. I don't. There is one. Hastings Fringe I was booked to do. Yeah. I think there is something, but there aren't that many comedy clubs about, so that might be a nice idea. Yeah, well, my um, my, my PA, Gillian, she says, say hello. She, um, oh, she used to run a gig. That's right, yeah. She, she I said, didn't know it was your PA. Yeah, yeah, so she, uh, her boy does, yeah. um, he trains with us, he's one of my fighters, and um, she does a bit of like PAing for me. And, yeah, so, so she, in all fairness, it was her that put me on to you. Yeah, um, I saw she um on my on my Facebook post that she said it, but I haven't seen her for a long time. I mean, that she was running a gig when I was brand new. Oh, really? Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So that was that's probably ten years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She does oh. stuff for the White Rock and bits and pieces as well. So yeah, she does organise a lot of stuff. And one of my plans going forward is this place is probably big enough to be able to hold <clears throat> small events and bits and pieces. So that's one of our plans for next year. Oh, nice. If it goes well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, brilliant. Um, well, what other questions have I got for you? Um, so you don't get nervous anymore, which is pretty cool. Do you have like a, a set routine in respects for preparing for a show, or do you just rock up and crack on? Pretty much rock up. If I'm doing a new material gig, I get a bit nervous before doing those because you don't know if the jokes are funny or not. Yeah. So when I'm trying stuff out, I get a bit nervous for those, and I'll run through them. I have to run through them quite a lot. So with, with one-liners, you have to get the word in exactly right. Yeah. Otherwise, it's just wasted. Really? It's all in. It's a bit of a science with how you write a joke. Yeah. Um. So I have to know how to save them exactly. Otherwise, you're wasting your time because you can't really judge it if you get the words wrong. Yeah. That's the sort of thing I'd do. I'd give the punchline. I'd be like, uh, no, um, what you? no, I've got no. I have done that before. But you know what? You get more laughs when it goes wrong like that. Yeah. And it's one of those things. There's another thing is having the confidence just to roll with what what you're dealt with. Yeah. It's quite a big deal. Panicking is the worst thing you can possibly do. Yeah. Just dealing with what comes your way, which is what we have to do yeah. in everyday life, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, other than that, nothing specific I do. I know some people do have their set weird yeah. ticks and routines, but... I, I do one thing which sounds weird but so what i've I, I so exactly what i just said when if you panic yeah the audience can sense it and if you're nervous they can sense it and if you so so i i'm best when i'm totally relaxed on stage yeah so if i am nervous for a gig at all i tell myself i get into a mindset where i say i don't give a shit like i don't give a shit about this gig i just gonna go on i'm gonna do it i do give a shit about it yeah. But it's getting that totally relaxed mindset that I don't care. Yeah. It always seems to work for me. I've never heard anyone else say they do that, but it's just... Well, I suppose if, if, if you don't care, you'll be relaxed. If you're relaxed, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll be able to... You won't muddle yourself up in tension mm. um, and stress and anxiety. Yeah. I think that's where... Because in the early days, I, I was sort of in the final of like some new act competitions. And in the early ones I did... I was so nervous. They could tell straight away and I was rushing and, and so, and so that's the worst, that's just the worst thing you can do. So, so just by being totally relaxed, the audience are like, oh, this guy's done this a million times. Yeah. I actually, I actually learned that there's a, a comedian called Ian Stone. He's, he's brilliant. He's been on the circuit for years. He's, he's excellent. Yeah. And I, I, I did a jonglers gig, which aren't around anymore, but they, they're, they're carnage. They're, they're, there's stacking hens, but they used to pay well. So you wanted to do them because they paid well. Yeah. And I died on my ass at this gig. And then he went up straight after me. And as he walked up, he just sauntered past the mic, stuck his drink down really slow, sauntered back up to the mic, took it out. And as soon as he started, everyone's like, oh, thank God, this guy knows what he's doing. He's done this a million times. Yeah. And I learned that. And for ages after that, I copied that. Yeah. I walked past the mic with a drink. I don't take a drink on anymore, but I used to take one specifically for yeah. that, and the gigs went better. 
Yeah. It's such a strange thing of just looking comfortable. Yeah. People believe in you then, don't they? I think. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so what would you talk about that? What would be the best advice you could give yourself? If you, if you could talk to your younger self going back to help prepare you for now, like what would you, what would you say to yourself? Um, that's a tough one really, because, because there's lots I could tell myself, but I, I, I wouldn't be the same. I wouldn't be the same now. I wouldn't have learned how I learned. So I quite like that you have to find your own way and yeah, and get to get to where to where you are. I think, I mean, it's a bit sort of cliche, isn't it? But it's that kind of when you're at school and you're worried about confidence things. Just be, just like it doesn't. It's a very short time in your life at school. It's not worth worrying about. As soon as you're an adult, the people that are, get more stick and are shy, the people that flourish when yeah. They're older, and there's so many people I know that I went to school with that were the popular kids. Yeah, and if, and then, it sounds horrible, but and now they're not. They're kind of still in that little bubble. Yeah, and they never escaped it. So I just, I think that is the thing, isn't it? It's just, just trust that once you finish school, you go to uni, you 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 learn about life, and yeah. And you've you got find- to go, I, I really believe you've got to go through the pain mm. to appreciate it and understand it. But at the time, obviously, uh, I mean, I've I've got two beautiful daughters, and I I I actually let them. And that sounds really bad because most parents will pre- try and protect their children, and mm. I will protect my daughters till like to the end of the earth. But I will also let them make mistakes mm. and feel some pain because that's how they're going to learn. You can tell someone, don't put your hand in the kettle; it's hot. Yeah. But you still want to know how hot it is. So I'll kind of let them do it in respects to they need to learn themselves. Mm. And I think certainly now that they say about the millennium kids is they're so protected. They don't learn for themselves. So when they get a little bit of pain, it feels like the end of the world and it's not, mm. but because they're so well protected because of course you want to protect your children, but you've also got to, you know, feel how much something hurts and understand the lows so you can get the highs. But yeah, at the yeah. time, it feels horrible. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, I've it's that that, that works in all, all kinds of p- parts of life. Like I've done so many jobs in my life, but all, doing all those jobs taught me that I don't want to do those jobs. Yeah, and that's that's led to me doing the thing I love, and, and that drives you to work even harder. Mm. That's one thing I've learned is to outwork anyone. Like hard work yeah. gets you there. I think that comes from sport background. Yeah. Because like I played every sport under the sun and I was always taught that mindset of if you want to be the best, you need to put in the hours. So like I used to play basketball and I'd be, I'd turn up to school. The school gave me a, a key to the sports center so I could go and shoot yeah, yeah. an hour before school every day. And I, I like that goal. I'm very goal driven and I like having that, that motivates me. And it's the same thing with the martial arts. I'd spend hours and hours and hours with my, so my brother. So me and my brother, he's four years older than me. Yeah. And we were always competing. And we really actually grew as we bonded so much through fighting because we clash a bit. But, but then when, once we got to the age where I was 15 and we could both take a beat in, we were great outside because we took everything out on each other yeah. in that. And, and that really really helped and then he went to uni and all i wanted to do was be better than him <laughs> and beat him so so that motivated me and i was just in the gym hour after hour after hour because i knew that's what i had to do to do it and it's the same with joe writing i'm not the naturally funniest person in the country out of all the comedians yeah i work hard and i write probably more than most and you have to get you have to write a thousand jokes to get a hundred really good ones okay so yeah. it's just that same sport mentality, I think, is... Yeah, yeah. Practice, just, practice, practice, practice. It is. It's so cliche, isn't it? But, yeah. it, but it's so true. It's the only way to learn. Yeah. It's like back kicks. Back, so yours is, what was it, the left body shot? Left body shot, yeah. Mine was back kick. Like, yeah. I've got a lethal back kick. But that was because my dad... Is there any on YouTube anywhere that I can find? <laughs> you know what? It's a really annoying that when I was fighting... The, the camera phones weren't what they are now. Oh, exactly. Mine were VHS, so they've got snow on them. You can't see them, can't hear them. Yeah, I've got, I have got one video that someone took on a jumpy camera. You know when it was all a bit jumpy? 
back yeah. on the video cameras. There's one on my Facebook. I'll send it to you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but it's only a snippet. Yeah. And and I was winning the fight. And back in those days in Taekwondo, it was a bit boring because once someone was up, yeah. you, you didn't want to fight. You want to keep them away and make them come onto you and then you counter. Yeah. And there's one bit where he chased me and I back kicked him. Nice. But that was my dad, honestly, the amount of hours just back kicking. Yeah. It's that muscle memory thing. Yeah. So it's just comes naturally. I mean, it was awful because he was spent, I was about 15 and he spent so much time on it. And then the first time I nailed someone in the club, I broke their rib because, because I didn't know how lethal this was and how good I was at it. Cause I'd, yeah. I'd never really done it before. And they just walked into something. I said, bang. <laughs> I felt really bad. I don't like doing things like that. I, I see we're fighting. I've not got that. I like getting stuck in, but I don't like really hurting someone. No. Uh, whereas, you know, the, whereas the best fighters, they yeah. like it. Yeah, they really can. like yeah, it. To be at the top, you've got to have that edge. Yeah. Fighting someone that's, you know, like a terminal, unrelentless, mm. you know, will just try and destroy you. They're, they're so hard to stop. Um, yeah. And again, that's a, that's a mindset thing as well. Mm. Um, trying to beat someone who's got that much. So do you think that's something that's... You think that's some, what's the what's the phrase? Is that something do you think they're born with, or do you think that's like life? So if they've they've grown up a certain way and they had to maybe like, do you think people that have struggled in th- life? That, that's a really good question because I think we're all born the same. I mm. think we have certainly DNA from our, our mums and dads and our and our, our grandparents and even our ancestors. So you could say, well, that family are naturally aggressive. But I'm a true believer in, you know, you start learning when you're born. We're, we're all born with the same love, hate, beliefs. You know, we're born and we're, we're fresh and then we're taught everything else. I do think there is a bit of DNA in there. You know, if your parents are really caring, I think you're going to have a bit more of a caring gene and so on. But you I'm are learning. And like the redhead thing, that's, that's something I found yeah. with fighting is when I'm in there, I do get hit up. Yeah. So there, there is definitely a bit of that, but I do believe a lot of it you're taught and you learn. And, mm. you know, if you're, if you're David Goggins, for example, you know, he's been through the mill and he's, you know, he's one of the strongest men on the planet physically and mentally, SAS and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, he, I think you, the harder your life is, the stronger it will make you, but it also depends on your parenting to where your morals and beliefs stand. So mm. it's all right being, hardest man on the planet but if you're an idiot no one's going to like you so you've got to have a balance of kind of respect being strong believing in yourself but not being arrogant being strong but Mm. having over belief um i think balance definitely i think a lot of the time the best fighters are nicer Mm. because well it it depends i mean that's quite a broad statement (laughs) but once you know you're good at something you don't need to have the arrogance. Whereas the people that are just below that, that aren't quite there, they feel like they need to give that because they want to be there and they want people to think they're there. Yeah, 100%. If you look at Colin McGregor on his way up, Mm. it's a perfect example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he got there, he settled down a little bit, didn't he? Um, Again, wicked jumping back, kick that man. Yes, yes. I love, yeah. See, that's, I, 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 I don't watch MMA as much as I used to. When I was at you, I followed it a lot. But I do like it when you see someone with little essences of Taekwondo in there, like the good bits they've taken from it. Yeah. yeah there's got a lot of limitations. Yeah, yeah. Like there's nothing better. If someone's walking straight onto you, there's nothing better than a back kick if you've got the yeah. timing. Oh, they're devastating. Absolutely mm. devastating. I mean, mine's okay. Um, it's probably one of my better kicks, but mm. it's it's my left body that's is the devastating the thing with kickboxing I think it's difficult with back kicks that because of the style of taekwondo because in like say Olympic taekwondo you're very side on yeah to jump into a back kick all you're doing is pivoting yeah you're halfway there yeah (laughs) whereas when you're a kickboxer you're obviously a straighter on so you have to sweep that front foot across yeah to get into it so then so it just makes it a slight bit slower whereas if you're (laughs) what's that You've told them it's coming because you're having a go. Yeah. And then if you are suddenly change your footwork so you're side on, they're like, well, what's going on here? Hmm. I'm like, so, watch for the back kick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, always, again, we could talk about martial arts all day, can we? Like, about hide. So we would use like a jab cross hook to hide a back kick. Yeah. So we, an attacking one. Yeah. So we'd go boom, boom, boom. And it wouldn't be hard, but what you're trying to do is get them to go block, block, block. Yeah. And then you're, what you do is when you throw the hook, you step. Yeah. So you're already side on, but they won't see you've stepped because you've put a hook into place. Yeah, that's interesting. That's your range. Because I would never, I don't think I ever scored an attacking back kick on anyone. Okay. It was always as a counter. Yeah, okay. So it was always once they've committed to a turning kick or something, yeah. once they're in the air, they can't go anywhere. And that's yeah. when I'd I'd hit with it because they're always there. But to, to actually hit someone with an attacking one, like you say, that's a good because they're, they're covering up. But with Taekwondo, they don't really cover up. They move. No, they're ha- that's the other thing as well. I mean, I've, obviously, if you watch like Taekwondo knockout, if you YouTube Taekwondo knockouts, mm. all you'll see is jumping, spinning, hook kicks and back kicks and people get laid clean out. And yeah. I've, as a kickboxer, I've gone, why don't they just put their guard up? Yeah. <laughs> their hands are always by their chest or their stomach. Yeah, it's just the style because of the movement thing from a distance. Yeah. So if you, you might See, I don't like that style of the Olympic style in that sense, because my dad's always taught in a more practical, because his instructor was very practical in how he taught. Yeah. So, so we fight like our, like our club, our hands are, are down at a distance because the reason they're down in competition is because you're protecting those body shots with your arms yeah. and the movement is more flowing. Yeah. But as soon as we get closer, our guard comes up. So, and then we're in a good, in a guard position when we're close. But that doesn't work in competitions. Okay. Because and just for the purposes of people listening to the podcast, he had his guard up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Our what. arms are going up and down. If people are just listening, yeah. they're like, I can't see what they're doing. <laughs> but yeah, 100%. Yeah, and that is always what people say about Taekwondo. Yeah. But it's, it's quite sense. hard. It's very hard to get headshots in Taekwondo because yeah. everyone's at a distance. So you obviously get the snippets of the one times... Yeah, that they do get hit, but it's unusual because everyone's at a distance. A distance, yeah, that makes sense. I might, I've got literally twenty-eight inch legs, so <laughs> no hope of me doing that whatsoever. <laughs> Finding <laughs> jeans to fit me is insane. Yeah. I'm the same, but the opposite. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you got any questions for me? So I'm always asking the questions. I always say to my guests, like, have you ever got any questions for me at all? Doesn't matter if you haven't. We sort of cut cut you of like. I've got stuff out of you anyway. Yeah. Just in the conversation, really. I didn't. I, I'm. I'm pleasantly surprised the amount of martial arts we've spoke about as well because I wasn't expecting that at all. So apologies well, that, if you was listening and hoping for comedy stuff because you've ended up getting half martial arts. But that's the thing. These are the two things I love talking about. Yeah. And they're my two loves. So taekwondo was up until I was finished competing. It still is. Yeah. That was all I would want to talk about. And yeah. now comedy is exactly the same. I'm very much full into whatever I'm doing. Yeah, all in. Yeah. And I yeah. think for the people listening as well, whatever it is you want to do in life, you've got to be all in. Like if you want to succeed, if you want to be good at it, if you want to be known for whatever it is, you've got to be all in. You can't dibble dabble because you won't make it. You've got to, you know, be prepared to put the grind in. 100%. When I was a kid growing up, I'd always, I did every sport. And then once I got to sort of 14, I realised I had to focus on if I wanted to be the best at something. That's all, all, it's really sad, really. But all, I don't know if it's sad, actually. I just always wanted to be the best at something. Well, again, like you talked about earlier, having goals and driving, mm. reach for the stars. Like, like I spoke to you before we went on, that we're just uh, building, renovating a new gym. And this has been a 30-year dream of mine. So, mm. um, I've always had a vision from 10 years old of driving up a driveway and, and seeing like Hastings Kickboxing Academy, like huge. And like yesterday we had 30 meters of Hastings Kickboxing Academy in the windows. Um, I drive up this morning because it was pitch black last night when we finished. So this morning I hadn't forgotten, but I was driving up the road going, Oh, I need to paint the reception this morning and get some work done. I'm driving up and I'm like, wow. Like, Oh my God. You were sorry. Do a little cry. A little bit, a little bit. I was, yeah, I was kind of really, really That's taken good, back. That's great. And I'm, I'm like now, like someone come up just before we started this, and like, oh my god, the signs! And I'm like, I know, I know, I know. I'm so excited. We open in January, and like, this has been my childhood dream. Um, I, I've had, I've had a gym for many years, or an academy, or centre, or whatever you want to class it. But um, 
like this has been the dream having like my own building mm. like i've only got my landlord to answer to but apart from that I, i'm not I mean, sharing it with 50 other i'd people. love that like yeah. i think if i didn't do the comedy i think that's what i'd be doing now to be honest yeah having your own i just love it just love it. I'll, I'll i'll die in here do you know what i mean that's yeah someone asked me the other day if i was going to retire i'm like no like I'm not going to sell the business. I'm not going to grow it and sell it. I'm not going to give up. Mm. Uh, even if I'm 90, I'm, I'm, well, I'm certainly going to do my best to still be on the mat. You're going to be Mickey and Rocky. <laughs> I have to get myself a hat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but well, thank you very much. Um, I kind of want to ask you for some one liners, but I don't know if that kind of works in a podcast. Does it work? Not really, but I'll tell you what. So what this always happens, that's the question people always say when they meet you and they know you're a comedian and say, tell us a joke. And it's always awkward because one, when you do a joke one-to-one, there's so much pressure on the other person to get it. Yeah. And so I'm really that, bad at it, I'll be like, don't get it. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. And then sometimes when people ask you, they want it to be bad and they want to make you feel stupid. So yeah. what, what I've learned is I always tell people a joke. So in Edinburgh, they do a thing. It's called Dave's Joke of the Fringe. And it's got a big publicized thing yeah so i've been on that a few times so i always preempt the joke by saying that so they cannot argue that it's not a joke and they can't argue that it's not good because it's been voted for yeah that takes that awkwardness away from it so one of those i'll tell you one of those uh, i went to waterstones asked the woman for a book about turtles she said hardback and i was like yeah and little heads <laughs> there you go it's not a joke that's my most stolen joke actually it was on those lists and then now people doing memes and everything brilliant, brilliant. love it yeah. absolutely love it and one I got which is cool <laughs> yeah. uh, it. well I just want to say thank you for your time uh, if you're listening or watching this on YouTube when I post it up I hope you've enjoyed it I hope you've learned I've learned a lot about you today I honestly didn't think we'd go anywhere near the transient of martial arts so it, for me it was really nice to almost see such a strong connection between the two um which is phenomenal to mm. to hear uh, and the confidence side of it as well is is really important for many people have you got any advice you'd like to give to anyone aspiring to be a comedian or even a taekwondo champion um oh i think we covered it just you've got, really to, you've got to work hard repetition yeah like repetition of comedy is go to as many gigs as possible when you start write as much as possible you've got to commit like you say you've got to commit yeah. and you, otherwise you won't get anywhere and the same thing with martial arts yeah just keep kicking that just keep back kicking that back that uh punch bag and eventually the ribs will break <laughs> they, they easily yeah it's a very powerful kick yeah 100 right thank you so much i'm just gonna end it there. i just want to say thanks for listening thanks for watching if you're watching on youtube don't forget to drop us a like or a love or a share or give us some comments and i'm sure we will get back to you with um some answers right thanks again mark really appreciate it i'm just gonna hit end wherever it's gone <laughs> there it is thank you for listening if you enjoyed today's chat have any questions or feedback for us or would like to be on one of our podcasts leave a review and we will happily get back to you if you would like more details on how hastings kickboxing academy can help you or a family member find all our contact details in the show notes Make sure you subscribe to HKA's Kickstart Your Confidence podcast. And remember, it's not just a sport, it's a way of life.